Welcome into another episode of Collegiate Chaos on the Testudo Times Podcast Network. It is March 2nd, and March is finally here. Conference tournaments are approaching. March Madness is approaching the best time of year. I'm your host, Sam Ostry, alongside my co-host, Ben Dixon. Ben, how does it feel to be in March, finally? It feels great. At midnight uh, the other day, I tweeted, or I guess that was yesterday, midnight, I tweeted, this is March. and uh, Nothing better than everyone and, tweeting and, and, the second. We are here. It's, it's, it's off to a great start already. Yep, um, definitely off to a great start. This past Saturday, when it was still February, it was unreal, unreal slate of games. Seven of the top ten teams were upset. Just last night, more great games. We can get into all of it, all of it in a minute. But first, let's start with Maryland men's basketball talk. Um, Maryland's starting to heat up. You know, it's a little too little, too late. But this team looks good. They've won three out of their last four. Granted, two of those were against Nebraska and Penn State. They come off a huge upset win over number 22, Ohio State, at home on a day where Maryland honored the, the 20th anniversary of the 2002 National Championship team. It was a packed house, a great environment, and Maryland fed off that. And they, they played some great basketball and got the win, in particular Fats Russell. What did you see from that game? And is there even a chance that they could make a little bit of a run in this Big Ten tournament? Yeah, well, just first talking about that game, we haven't, I mean... You can't talk about Fat Ru- Fats Russell enough. We've talked about him every show, just his pride in wearing a Maryland uniform and, and that display he put on against Ohio State. He deserved that. And then, obviously, Eric Ayala with a, with a great game, too. And perhaps I think the thing that people are overlooking from last Saturday was perhaps Dante Scott's best overall game as a Terp, whether it be mm-hmm. hustle plays, defensive plays, Amazing. all of that considered, class. 100%. Um, so great game all around there, obviously knocking off Ohio State, who you know lost to Nebraska last night. They're, they're kind of reeling a little bit. They'll probably get it together there. But uh, in terms of the Big Ten tournament, like you said, in this upcoming run, uh, hopefully they should be able to win tonight. Uh, if you're in Maryland, you're hoping for a somewhat easy win tonight at home against Minnesota. Um, you're one of the only three teams in the country with a 28, uh, excuse me, with at least 28 straight winning seasons. Yep. Arizona and Kansas, the other. That's a big pitch you can use to recruits. There's a lot of pride you can take in that one, um, and that's what they should be playing for at this point. Could they make a run in the Big Ten tournament? I mean, I don't personally see it maybe win one game in it um the conference is just it's going to be so tough uh especially with maryland if they get the 10 seed playing uh four games in four days not five and five yes yeah, so that that's a big thing too if they get that 10 seed or not because if they don't they're gonna have to play a first round matchup if they're 11th seed they'll play the 14 obviously but if that 10 seed they can go right to the second round um and you know the thing is they don't have enough depth like, when you're playing that many games, you know, it's day after day. You don't have days to rest. And you, it's a quick quick turnaround on the scout. It's a quick turnaround to rest your bodies and go out there. And to pull off upsets game for four straight days, Very if they tough. get that 10 seed with the lack of depth that they have. I mean, Fats and Eric and Dante and those guys, they play like 30 to 35, sometimes more minutes a game. So, like, lack of depth to pull off upset after upset, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. But I will say, and the players talk about it all the time, like, they're a team that nobody wants to see in, in – in this Big Ten tournament, and they're right. Like when when other coaches for these top teams, like Purdue, Wisconsin, Rutgers, all, all these other, obviously Rutgers is in the top team, but like Ohio State, all these when they're looking at the bracket, they are hoping that Maryland's not inside their bracket. They're not going to be worried necessarily, but Maryland is not the team that you want to face because they're way more talented than their record indicates. Yeah, this is a team that's been playing with a lot of pride lately, playing probably their best basketball of the season right Definitely. now. Um, what up to now three ranked wins on the season yeah. they barely lost to Purdue they barely lost to Wisconsin at home after that comeback now the Big Ten champs Wisconsin so they've shown a lot sporadically throughout the season and now with a little stretch here um, outside of maybe that Indiana game um, where they're playing they're playing really hard basketball they're playing with a lot of pride they're playing their best ball of the season and uh, if, if I'm a good team I'd, pr- I'd probably much rather see a team like Penn State Minnesota 
Nebraska, any of those teams over uh, yeah, one like Maryland. And the biggest factor for why they're playing such great basketball is because Fats Russell, Russell is playing amazing basketball. And he's really, like, just settled into playing Big Ten basketball, the physicality of it. He embraces that physicality. He's obviously incredibly explosive, incredibly quick. But his three-point shooting, which was a question mark coming into the season, um, based on his Rhode Island numbers, where he came from, you know, he has been phenomenal from three of the last five or six games, averaging over 20 points, something like tw around 22 over those last five or six games. And he's been the engine for this team. And, you know, it's really just a shame that, like, if there's anyone that deserves to be playing basketball in March and for in the NCAA tournament, March Madness, it's him. And it's a shame he likely will not be doing that. But he's been phenomenal. And, and really the only reason why Maryland has turned this, not the only reason, but the primary reason why Maryland's been able to turn the season around. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got a chance to, to make the most of it with the Big Ten tournament coming up next week for him. Uh, like you said, he's, he's really been amazing these past few weeks. He's shooting the ball at a, at a much more clutch and, and efficient rate. And uh, you just love to see it from, from him, obviously. We've talked about in measure, you know, the tough ride it's been for him coming to Maryland. It hasn't been everything he's wished for, but he's, he's making the most out of it right now. And we're going to get to some coaching stuff with Maryland in a minute, but like Danny Manning deserves a ton of credit for like how how hard they're playing and how well they're playing right now because after that Iowa loss they lose by 23 at home like the season was over it felt the season was over the effort was horrible against Iowa and they come out against Purdue lose by one in a great game that they could have they could have won late at the buzzer and then they rally off three of the um, three of their next four so when you look at like the job that he's done and and how he's been able to have this team completely buy in all over again when the season was completely lost there's a lot of upperclassmen that's their this last time playing college basketball or playing college basketball for maryland at least so for him to be able to have this group rebuy in at that point in the season obviously it's not really going to amount to much but it's really and he's denny manning's not going to be the coach next year no one thinks that for a second but he deserves a ton of credit for what he's done these last three or four weeks yeah i definitely agree i don't think he's he's nearly as bad as as some people uh, online are saying I think he does deserve a lot of credit for getting this team to play this hard and this well at this point in the season where you know they could have packed it in once they lost to Northwestern that first game or once you know they got destroyed in games in January but they you know they kept fighting he deserves a lot of credit I don't think he's done a terrible job X's and O's wise these, these past few weeks um, but yeah like you said just just deserves a lot of credit for getting his team to play hard because it's not an easy task when you're an interim coach in the situation that Maryland's been dealt uh, but he's 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 done a good job with that, and yeah, yeah. And so, look, we're gonna get into some coaching talk right now, I guess. Um, Rick Pitino, but that's we're not we're not gonna go too deep into Maryland coaching because there's a lot to get to today, and we will in the coming weeks. But there's there's rumblings today that Rick Pitino is Maryland's guy. You know, if they can get him, like he's their number one option. They want him. Um, he's one of six point seven. The fan, the junkies, they, they reported it. Um, they said Maryland is heavily pursuing Rick Pitino. They use the word as they quote his top dog and he's their number one choice. And they said a couple donors are leading the charge. Um, a few, like about a month ago, a few weeks ago, there was a report that Iona was going to offer Patino a lifetime extension. He was going to take it. And we thought that Patino was out of the question at that point. But that there hasn't been anything surfaced about that since then. Now there's reports that, and we know Maryland basketball fans would love Patino, but there's now reports that Maryland administration and the athletics department actually wants Patino too. So, First off, do you do you think there's any valid like excuse me? Do you think there's any like credibility to these reports? And would and we can have a Patino discussion. But do you want Patino to be the coach next season? Do I want him personally? Yes. I think if if 
uh, from looking from a Maryland fan perspective, I think absolutely he gets you back to national relevance immediately. Even if it's five years, there's no doubt he's going to leave the program in a better state than he found it in. Because you look at him, he's arguably the best coach in college basketball still to this day, and he's one of the best coaches in college basketball history. And recruiter. And recruiter and whatever, all the baggage you can talk about that. I'm personally not going to uh, get into that on this episode. But it's just like something with him is he, you know he's a Hall of Fame coach. You know his resume, and he comes to Maryland. Why doesn't he do it again? I, all signs point to I think he would if he jumps at the chance to come to Maryland and if Maryland extends an offer to him. Uh, personally, from a Maryland fan perspective, I think I would love it um, in terms of you know bringing the program back to national relevance and competing for championships, which is the most important thing right now. Yeah, so, you, so you've been on the Patino wave the entire time. The second Turgeon's job opened, you were talking about Patino. Obviously, it was a dark horse candidate, but every all a lot of Maryland fans were. And I was completely against Patino at first, and I still kind of am because I just think, like I think it would be very exciting next year. Like I'm covering, the, we're both covering the team next year. It would be very very exciting. There'd be a ton of hype, national media. He could get transfers immediately and turn have a great one year turnaround. But I'm just like, why would Damon Evans? want to hire someone who's he know he knows in five years if he's still here Damon Evans is gonna have to hire someone else why would he want to do that and not just hire someone who's who he can have for a long term and have sustained success and forget the baggage for a second I'm talking about strictly because of his age I mean he's gonna be 70 when he would come over here who knows how much longer he wants to coach and if he has that desire to why why would you take that risk I guess even though you're gonna have a couple great years why would you do it when you have to rehire someone in three, four, five years? Yeah, I mean that's that's the question uh, there. And to me, I think a lot of a lot of Maryland fans are looking at that one where you know that's that's a later problem. We're gonna we're gonna bring him in, whether it be three, five, seven years. He's gonna take the program national relevance, chance to win a national championship, and that'll be that. Now that's that that's not me saying that from my heart. That's from from what I've heard from from other people and reading on the boards and and, and Twitter and all that stuff. So, I mean, it, it will be really interesting to see what happens, the credibility of these reports, because we know there's contradicting uh, reports from a bunch of different news outlets. So, I don't know. I, I, don't, I will say I don't think Rick Pitino would come to Maryland if he wasn't bought in for X number of years, and he knows year one's not going to be the easiest, but he's going to go and turn it around for a few years and hopefully be competing for national championships but by like, year three or four. But like, a lot like this can happen with any profession, but certainly coaching. Maybe you think maybe you think this is what you want to get to do again. You want to get back to a power five, compete for national titles. Two, three years in, he's burnt out, and he's 73, whatever. And then like he has that realization, this isn't what he wants to do anymore. That's a risk you're taking. 100%. That's, that's a valid argument. I'm not, I'm not going to argue that side of it either. I will say kind of a flip side of it, um, of not being burned out with the fan base, is if he gets hired right away, you know that a lot of people are going to be excited and that building is going to be rocking again, which is also a big step to take for the program at this point. But there's definitely a valid point you bring up. He, he may be burnt out because he's, he's not a young guy. I mean, we definitely, definitely, we definitely expressed that. So, but, but the other thing that I was thinking about is, like, I I get P- Patino. I think Patino would do a great job for a few years. And originally, I was like, like I said earlier, I don't want him to be like I don't want a guy that's just gonna come in for a few years. You have to rehire someone. I want someone that can be here long term. And I think the Maryland fans should want that too. And I th- think the administration wants that. But then I was thinking, I was looking at the can- candidates, and you know, it feels like Andy Enfield, Kevin Willard are the top two leading guys at the moment. If I had to pick today who the next Maryland coach would be, I would say Andy Enfield from USC. I would agree. But I also don't think those are like surefire, like home run, out of the ballpark options. You know, like like I don't see anyone who's who we've heard. Like obviously, if Ed Cooley came over, that'd be great. Bruce Pearl signed his Auburn deal, so that's not a, a conversation anymore. But and all these guys who. I, I like 
who I thought would be great candidates, I don't think Maryland's going to have a like a great high one way or the other. So that makes me feel like, okay, maybe you can you can experiment with Patino and then a few years, maybe the hiring cycle is better. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like you said there's not that many home run candidates there. I think Rick Patino is, is probably the biggest home run short term, but in terms of long term success, like we've we've displayed the past few minutes, it's probably not going to be there, right? Yeah. Um, Bruce Pearl is probably the biggest home run hire to me. Maybe Ed a guy Cooley like would be too. Ed Cooley, maybe a guy like Nate Oates or Eric yeah. Musselman who probably aren't going to leave there. But um, definitely, definitely a valid point you make there in terms of none being a home run candidate. But it's also it's so subjective and prediction based that like you could hire Andy Enfield yeah. and people are like, ah, oh, like what is this? And then he goes on a run, turns the program around, gets top five green classes every year, and goes to Final Four once every three years. Of course, of course. And then, and then in that case, that would be a home run. So yeah. you, you, so those you really safer, never know. So those are like safer hires, I think. That, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Those are those guys like Kevin Willard and Dan Field, those are like safer hires, and they may be great down the line, but they also won't bring a ton of ex- immediate excitement. So that And and I don't know if they're going to they're gonna have success, but like I said, if I had to choose, if I had not choose, if I had to predict today, who the next Maryland coach would be, I think it would be Andy Enfield. I think that's a good option, but I'm not saying that's. I, don't, I wouldn't be confident saying, "Wow, Maryland hit hit a home run with this hire if they go if they get Andy Enfield." 100 with you there. I think Enfield's a prediction. I don't think it's it's a guaranteed home run, but I, like you said, I don't think there are many other people that would be either. All right, so we'll be monitoring that situation. You know, we expect in the next few weeks, probably by April, that that new Maryland head coach will be announced, and of course, we'll be talking about it. We'll be monitoring it. But now let's talk about the Maryland women's basketball team that just got a ton of awards. Um, Angel Reese was first team All Big Ten for defense and offense. Yep, the first first team All Big Ten and, and All Defensive team. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> and then they had a ton of people on the second team. Um, Chloe Bibby, Katie Benson, you, you can name it. They, they had a ton of awards. Now they're entering the Big Ten tournament with the number four overall seed. Um, that's gonna their first game's gonna be Friday in the quarterfinals. Do we do we think Maryland's gonna like maybe people expected them to be a one or two seed in the Big Ten going into the year? They've obviously had a lot of adversity, dealt with a lot this season. Do we think Maryland can win the Big Ten tournament? And then where do you think that'll get that'll seed them in in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, the the adversity is definitely something that's been well illustrated, and I think it's something that's now being more nationally recognized. Uh, in the last bracket reveal uh, Monday night. Um, Maryland came out as the, if the tournament ended that day, they would have been the three seed in the Bridgeport region. So that means they would have hosted the first two games of the tournament. And if they made the Sweet 16, they'd be playing in Bridgeport, Connecticut, mm-hmm. which you know is 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 closer than than some other places down south for uh, the regionals. But in terms of the Big Ten tournament, I think yeah, people people realize the adversity they went through. Ashley Lusu missed the last game with an illness. Um, I don't, I don't know her status right now. We'll find out more of that tomorrow with uh, media availability. But if she's expected to be back, I think this team definitely has as good of a chance as anyone to, to win the Big Ten tournament. They're going to be playing likely Indiana Friday, which would be a rematch of, of last the last game of the regular season. It would be kind of game three of the series. Maryland lost in overtime back in January. That'll also It'll be a really tough matchup. The Big Ten's at a, at a really you know competitive competitive level compared to the most competitive level since Maryland's entered the conference. And if they win that game, it'd be a uh, matchup with Michigan uh, or likely matchup with Michigan. If they don't get knocked off who, you know, Michigan knocked them off twice this year. And it was, that's a really tough matchup. So do I believe Maryland can win the big 10 tournament? Yes. Uh, would I pick them to win the big 10 tournament as of today? Probably not, but I will say that they do have, it's going to be a tough road, but I think they have as good of a chance as anyone else in the conference, either Michigan, Ohio state, Iowa, 
uh, or Indiana. Yeah, it's interesting. Michigan beat them twice this year. And, you know, if they do end up seeing them at some point in the Big Ten tournament, that would be an incredible game. It would be a rematch. And, you know, there's not many coaches in the Big Ten or really in the entire country that you would trust more to get their team ready for that game in particular, but the tournament in general, then Brenda Freese will be will be looking out for this Big Ten tournament that's starting for Maryland. Start, starts yeah, on Friday. starts today for the other teams. But, yeah, it starts today for those lower seeds. And, and then we'll be monitoring the Selection Sunday. And as they get into the NCAA tournament, we'll be talking about all that. But now let's get to some other games in, across the men's landscape. Um, like I said, seven of the top ten teams lost on Saturday. There was also great games last night, Tuesday night, March 1st. Like we said, March is here. Wisconsin, let's start with that. Wisconsin um, hosted Purdue. Number 10, Wisconsin against number 8, Purdue. An incredible game, an incredible atmosphere at Wisconsin. Wisconsin captures a, sh- a lock to get a share of the regular season Big Ten title. They win 70-67 to just... Like, if you didn't watch the game, go back and watch it. Because it was, it was, it was an incredible game. Um, pretty much a buzzer beater, you could say. It was 1.2 seconds left by Wisconsin. A banked-in buzzer beater after banked-in, like, Jane Ivey on the other end ties the game with a banked-in uh, three. It was an incredible game. What did you take away from this game in terms of the in terms of a matchup between the best two best teams in the Big Ten and who was in better position to make a run? In, in the NCAA tournament, not just the Big Ten tournament. Right, so obviously Wisconsin gets the sweep over Purdue. They're going to win the Big Ten title outright as long as they beat Nebraska on Sunday. Uh, just really, really impressed uh, with Greg Gard and kind of the emergence of this Wisconsin team. We obviously know what, what Johnny Davis is, National Player of the Year potentially, uh, but then you got a guy like Tyler Wall who's really stepped up. He's been incredible. Uh, been incredible. Like, against Zach Eady, who's over seven feet. His footwork and his ability to just finesse around the rim is he's yeah, he's, he's, he's maybe not, the X factor for this team. Everyone talks about John Davis, Brad Davis, and whatever, but he may be the X factor for this team. Yeah, he's not he's not a big guy by any means, but he's he's really become a really good post player in in, in this Big Ten. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, of Reavers who used to play for Wisconsin. I think uh, Wall's a little bit smaller, but same type of concept of of these guys who are undersized playing big man for. For Wisconsin, you got him, obviously the leadership of, of Brad Davison. And then to me, the guy, uh, Chucky Hepper, and a freshman, banked in yeah, three buzzer, for the yeah. win last night. He had 17 points. He's really emerged from kind of a nobody, not like Wisconsin had star-studded recruited class coming to the season, into someone who's a very capable player come March, a weapon who can you know hit a shot when you need him to. And it feels like you know, they have a bunch of those guys now, whether it's Davis, whether it's Wall, whether it's Hepper or Davison. So I really like Wisconsin's chances entering March to make a run. Um, I know there's been some chatter of how high they can rise on the seed line. Obviously, the net doesn't favor them too much. Uh, my prediction there is probably a two seed. But I think Greg Gard has to really just get a ton, a ton of credit for the job he's done this year. A team that was projected to finish 10th in the conference. It's going to turn him into outright champions. He's one of the best coaches, not only in the Big Ten, in the country. And he, he really deserves to be praised for the job he's done this year. Yeah, he's been tremendous. He'll likely get the Big Ten Coach of the Year award. And it'll be very deservedly so because he's been phenomenal with his Wisconsin team. Those very disrespected. People forget how disrespected they were coming into the year. A lot of people didn't even have them making the March Madness tournament. And, like, a lot of people had them on their bubble. I mean, this team was – no one had them winning the Big Ten. And they've been very disrespected. Obviously, Johnny Davis has been a surprise to many. Player of the Year candidate, he's been phenomenal. But this Wisconsin team, top to bottom, you know, a few weeks ago, like, I, was, I wasn't sure if I was still sold on them. But I've fallen in love with this Wisconsin team. I think out of every team in the Big Ten, I think I said this last week, they are the most primed to go on a deep run, potentially Final Four run. Um, like I said, with the coaching, star power experience – 
top to bottom, this is a phenomenal Wisconsin team. And I kind of expected, I wouldn't have been shocked if Purdue won yesterday, even though Wisconsin was at home. But this Wisconsin team is very much legit. And I think I would not be shocked if they're the Final Four team. Neither would I, and I think kind of just the flip side of that. I, I mean, I do trust Wisconsin a lot because of their character, but when you talk about the character and the identity that they built, but when you talk about Purdue and kind of why do they, they lose some of these games like this, it's it's not the star power. They have Jaden Ivey, they have Trayvon Williams, Zach Eady, all these guys. They have the number one offense and adjusted efficiency in the country. I'm really just – the defense is a worry. It's, they're not they're not even in the top 100 in adjusted de- it, defensive it's, efficiency. It's horrible, and – and that's the thing that it's a lot of the transition defense too. Like teams are just going to run on them all day in the tournament and when they got the opportunity to. So I I'm worried about Purdue too. Like very I think worried. Purdue could very much. I think were they our segment on frauds or for real last time? I think so. I don't remember what we said exactly, but I'm very much worried that Purdue could be an early out in the, in the tournament because teams are just going to run on them. And if you're if you have a good shooting day, which any team can at any moment in March. You know, Purdue, they can keep up offensively, but they're, they're, they can give up 75, 80 points to yeah, yeah, this a is, decent this, offensive team. This is one of those teams that it wouldn't shock me if they make the Final Four or the National Championship game, but it also wouldn't shock me if they lose exactly. in the Sweet 16 or the second round. Really just kind of two sides of this team where one side is like, all right, why can't this team win the National Championship? And the other side is like, all right, they're 210th in the country in three-point defense. So it's, it's, it's really not a good thing for a championship team to have. There are teams that have won with not great defenses in the past, but I'm definitely a little skeptical of Purdue here. Yeah, I mean, you, you offense is more important, I'll give you that, but you know, you need a great defense 100%. For, to string together six straight games. Um, you had just Especially with three-point shooting, like I said, any team can go off at any moment in March. So if, if Purdue's going to be giving up that many threes, they're going to struggle, even for a great offensive team, to keep up. But all right, let's get to the next game. From last night, number eleven Villanova um, was no, Villanova hosted number nine Providence. Villanova was favored nine and a half going into this game. Providence already locked up the Big East regular season title. They didn't have much to play for in this game. It felt like Nova had more to play for, so maybe that was why Nova was favored by nine and a half points. Which felt like a crazy disrespectful line, which Providence has been disrespected all year. Nova was up, I believe, fourteen at halftime. looked like looked like the line looked pretty good. Um, definitely the first half line. But Providence came all the way back, and Nova gets away with a two-point victory. This Providence team, even in losses, continues to surprise people and continues to just impress. Because, yes, Nova beat them both this year, but they were both great games. They were both games that Nova was expected to win. And like, what did you take away from this game from both teams? you start with Nova or Providence? So I'm going to start with Providence here. Um, obviously, already the Big East champs. Uh, I think we know Nova's probably better head-to-head based off these two matchups. Both, like you said, were very impressive. But my takeaway from Providence is there's really nothing negative to take take away there. Obviously, you have you have the team who's you know been the luckiest team in the country all year, all this and that. But th- they fight, man. And every, yeah. every game they give you is going to be competitive till the very end. And that's kind of my takeaway from Providence there, a team that you know, can, can definitely go on a run in March Madness. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens depending on the draw. I think that's going to be a big thing for Providence because a team like Nova, obviously not a great matchup for them. But I don't think anything negative to take away from Providence in that matchup or the one earlier uh, last month. But kind of switching gears to Villanova's takeaway, uh, really important win for them. Uh, needed that to sweep over the Big East champs, kind of gives them some validation on their season, you know, like, we can be a two seed, maybe a one seed, make a run here in the Big East tournament, and let's win that thing if you're Nova. But I think for me, for Villanova, is how is their bench going to perform? We've talked about their depth all season long, and Caleb Daniels was 
arguably the MVP of the game last night. Yep. He had 20 points off the bench. No, will my question for you, Sam, is will Nova need that massive bench production to go on a run this March? Because we've been we've been skeptical of that all season. Like, yes, you need depth to string those games together for that longer period of time, and this is why I don't trust this Nova team. Like. I, like you sh- like people should have back in 2018 back in 2016 when they won national titles because they had depth on those teams but if Caleb Daniels who's been a little inconsistent this year but if he can come off and, and produce offensively like he did last night obviously that doesn't mean 20 a, ga- 20 a game like he had last night but if he can produce offensively and give you solid minutes on both ends this that really helps this Nova team a lot of that is like Colin Gillespie's health and Justin Moore's health. Um, I'm not quite sure both those guys are quite at 100% yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're playing around like 80, 85%. Colin Gillespie gets banged up every single night you watch him. You see him take a hard fall and you kind of get worried because without him, this team will be a first round exit in the tournament. Like like they were, or they didn't have him for the tournament last year and obviously they were an early exit. But so I don't know if they need that depth to make a deep run, but they're really going to have to get great starting minutes from Colin Gillespie, who I. You, I think, have finally come around on him that he is elite. You can win a champ- national championship with him as your point guard, getting 35-plus minutes a night. Justin Moore, you know, Eric Dixon, the the, product- the production on the inside, his turnaround this season after not really playing a whole lot, he's been phenomenal. So I don't know if they need the bench, but obviously having a great bench helps. Yeah, well, look at look at the minute distribution from last night. Starting five of Gillespie, Moore, Dixon, Slater, and Samuels. 37, 37, 28, 27, 26. Then Caleb Daniels plays 30 minutes off the bench. Yeah. The only other minutes you're getting, Chris Archidiak, well, seven, and the freshman, Jordan Longino. I don't, I don't really and trust him either. He Jay had seven Wright, minutes. Yeah. And look, that's the thing. I promise you that in tournament time, Jay Wright will be playing six guys. He's not even going to, in those games that are going to be tight down the stretch. He's not going to Chris Archidiak or to a freshman. He's just not. So, like, he's playing six guys, and if, if they're going to be really tired and banged up, they're going to struggle. But I also trust those six guys, and I know Jay Wright trusts those six guys because they're as good as any six. Take those six and find me a better six in the country. Yeah, you, you, you might not be able to, but I think the, the counterpoint to kind of what you just said is, like, Gillespie gets banged up, Warren might not be 100% healthy. Someone goes down. Let's say it's not even a, a, a multi-day threatening injury, but you know they get down, swollen ankle. They're not going to be themselves for the rest of the game. Do you have someone on your bench you can trust? Probably no, not. You don't, and that's the thing. What we talk about if they do ha- come across that situation, I think you know they're they're not going to have an easy time. They're they're going to probably lose that game, and that's why a, the depth for them is a concern, and it has been all year, and it, it could kill them come March. But that top six is as talented as anyone. So if they don't need to rely on that depth, which you never know if you do or not, um, if like foul trouble, you never know what it is. But if they don't have to rely on that depth and can play just those top six throughout the entire 40 minutes pretty much, then they're going to be fine. Yep. And so then we'll get to the Providence side. Or I guess we kind of start with the Providence side. But I want to ask you, like, we just talked about this the, this Purdue team that we said, you know, this could be a team that's an early out in March, but they also make a Final Four run. Everyone calls this Providence team lucky, but I think, like you said, they have so much heart, and I just don't, I could easily see this Providence team making a deep run too, but I could also see them being an early out. Which side are you leaning between those two? Yeah. Everyone calls them lucky, and it's not luck what they've done this season. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're, in my opinion, they're a Sweet 16 team. They're, I, don't, I, I said it if a couple podcasts ago, I don't think they're a Final Four team. I just, I just don't. I don't think they're one of the four best teams in the country. And not that the four best teams in the country always make the Final Four. So but I just hot for exactly. six, and five, I don't, four games. I just don't see them get, get getting to the second weekend, maybe not getting past that 
for me, I mean, you brought up the parallels to Purdue. I think it's a little bit different uh, when you talk about Purdue just because, you know, they've had this talent. They've been in these spots in, in the mm-hmm. past years. Now's got to be the year to break through for Providence. It's like everything they've done is kind of like— This is their best season. This is their best— it's Under Ed Cooley. Best season under Ed Cooley. It's over the top. So I think whatever happens in the tournament, as long as you make it to the second weekend, won't really be a measure of success overall of how good and historic of a season it was. I think Purdue, you got to make the Final Four a bust. Yeah. But I think regardless of expectations, I think I think Providence is probably a second weekend team for me, and that's, that's about it. Yeah, if I had to lean one way or the other, excuse me, I would say— I would lean more to an early out than Final Four, and that could mean a first-round exit. That could mean a second-round second round exit. But I, if I had to predict right now, I'd probably I agree that this is the second weekend weekend team. They'll probably make the Sweet 16 and then be out there. And that, that's a successful season for Providence. I mean, Absolutely. certainly. Ed Cooley, got a, I believe, has never been to the Sweet 16, right? Ed yeah, Cooley I'm, has... I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he's never been to the Sweet 16. Never been to the Sweet 16. He's had three uh, appearances, just losing in round one. Yeah. One in round two, and then 2017, so look, and I think a, they lost in the first four. So. Look, so winning the Big East regular season title, who knows what they'll do in the conference tournament, and then going to the second weekend, that would be a very successful season for Providence. All right, a couple more games to get to from last night real quick. Number two, Arizona, absolutely dominated. Number 16, USC, that's Andy Enfield's team that we were talking about, 91-71, to 71, Arizona won. When Arizona's playing their best basketball, I'm not sure. And they, so there's been a lot of moments. They were upset on Saturday. There's been a lot of moments when they're not playing the best basketball. But if they can get hot for this stretch that they need to in March for this month, next 30 days here, I'm not sure there's a better team in the country. Yeah, I don't disagree. It's crazy to think because they were unranked and they got on the scene by destroying Michigan and Las Vegas and mm-hmm. kind of look how those two teams kind of flip-flop yeah. this season. But when I look at Arizona, I think Ben Matherin, who's – you know, 19 points last night, been one of the best players in the country, probably going to be second or third team All-American, in my opinion. He's a guy that you can you can win with in March. You have a guy, also a guy like Kirk Reese with Swagger, um, and you have Tavellis too. Arizona, I think, is a really talented team, one that's going to score a lot of points, as we saw last night, and they are for real. I also think you got to credit their defense. USC, only 4 of 18 from 3 last night. Yeah. Um, they, they gave up 71 points, but to, to not let an explosion happen from 3 when they're taking 18 shots is... is is a big deal there, and winning by 20 on the road at, at, at a ranked conference opponent is definitely no joke. I think I think they're legit, and not only just because last night. I mean, my opinion probably wouldn't have changed from last night if they won or lost anyways, but I think Arizona's that they're they're a lock for a one seed. Um, yeah. But whether you you want to dis- dispute that or not, I know you don't. But I'm just saying, the the people the people listening, Arizona's full body of work has represented a one seed this season. Um, not going to be in the West because Gonzaga probably, yeah. but. This is this is a team that I am a huge believer in under uh, first year head coach Tommy Lloyd. Yeah, I don't like I don't really care that they play in the Pac-12. They've been phenomenal all year. Every test you've thrown at them, thrown at them, they've taken care of it. I think, like I, you said, they're a one seed. I agree, they are locked for a one seed pretty much. I can't see that changing much. I think them and Gonzaga are the two locks for one seeds, and we're gonna get to the some talk about who deserves the one seed in a minute. But let's first finish up with um, the game from last night. TCU upsets number six, Kansas. TCU is firmly on the right side of the bubble now. They'll be in probably around a 9, 10 seed. We don't know exactly, but more about Kansas. Does this worry about worry you about them a little bit? Maybe they're not going to be a one seed anymore, but are you worried about Kansas being upset in the tournament? I, I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm a believer in, in Bill Self getting his team to, to play his best basketball in March, kind of like some of those other coaches like yeah. Jay Wright that we've talked about. Um, they still have a guy like Ochai Baji, who's who's one of the best players in the country. Um, TCU is a quad one loss. I think they're probably going to be 
a two seed. Um, I, I kind of felt a little weird when the when the bracket reveal first came out, and it was uh, them over Kentucky, considering Kentucky beat them in fog. Um, I've, I'm a Kentucky guy over Kansas, but I, I still think this Kansas team is legit. Not much to worry about after that game. Hostile environment, biggest TCU game in God knows how long. Yeah, court storm. Uh, huge court Love storm. Love the court storm. A lot um, of court storms last night. Yeah, and then, and I'd just like to say about about TCU. I think uh, I'm happy for for Jamie Dixon. Unrelated to me, spells spells my name differently, but kind of going back to his alma mater, TCU. He's getting the job done here. I think it's four top twenty five wins they have this year. Six and six in quad one. Um, they're going to be in the tournament, and uh, that was that was that was a great atmosphere last night, and, and good for that program. Yeah, I agree. Real quick, I'm just not really too concerned with Kansas. I don't think this way more intensity. Intensity on TCU side, everything going for TCU side. Kind of just an upset where Kansas is looking ahead to the to the postseason play at this point. So it was more important game for TCU. I'm not too surprised that they won, and I'm not worried about Kansas at all. I'm, I am very excited to see, and I hope we do see in the Big 12 tournament, Kansas Baylor. Um, who knows if we will or not? But that's very exciting to see. All right, now let's get to some bubble talk. Um, and we'll get to preview a couple t- games tonight. There's not a huge slate tonight, but there are some good games. But first, let's get to some bubble talk. There's a ton of teams on the bubble right now, a ton of Big Ten teams that we need to talk about. But I, I just want to ask you, I'm going to ask you between four teams, and you can pick two of these. There's probably like 12 teams, 16 teams, who are some are on the right side, some are on the wrong side, but all, all of them are considered on the bubble. I'm going to ask you four teams. You have to pick two of them to make the tournament. As of now, before conference tournament starts, which is going to change a lot, or it can change a lot, at least four teams: Creighton, Loyola, Chicago, Indiana, Memphis. Whew, that's that's tough. Um, this this is completely separate from from my conference tournament predictions, because um, I think Loyola, Chicago does have a really good chance to win that conference tournament. But as of today, I I also don't think they're in the field. Yeah. So I'm going to take them out of that conversation. Um, damn these these excuse me. I mean these teams are these teams are really tough to decide here. I think I think Creighton's gonna end up being in uh, the way they've played over as of late. They have a big opportunity tonight, uh, which I think they'll uh, they'll upset UConn, but we'll get into that later. So I'm gonna go Creighton, and I think Indiana. I just think Memphis has been so inconsistent. They've had the moments where it's like you know this is a tournament team, but some of those have been without Imani Bates, and it's just like what do what do we know about this team and Penny Hardaway. I think Indiana is kind of a team that, you know, they've also had their moments this year, hasn't, haven't been play, didn't play great in February, but I think they'll be able to pick up a win or two uh, in March in, in the Big Ten tournament to kind of get in uh, there. So I, I, I'd pick Creighton and Indiana. Um, don't feel nearly uh, as confident with those picks as yeah, I, I would the, from maybe the next group, but... This is, yeah, I mean, this is a hard um, field to kind of choose from. I would agree with you, Creighton, definitely. I think that a lot of that's going to depend... To their game against UConn tonight, which we'll get into. But if they can beat UConn tonight, they're firmly in. And I would pick them even if they can't beat UConn. But who knows what's going to happen tonight. Well, Chicago, I agree. I think they have a good chance to make to win their conference tournament. But other than that, they, they kind of – it felt like they were going to be an at-large bid no matter what. And they've really fallen off. They and stumbled. they've struggled. I think and they're so, the four seed in, in, in the yeah. conference tournament, which means they'd have to play Northern Iowa in, in, in the semifinal team that they just lost to at the, uh, at the end of the regular season. Yeah, so they've really struggled. And I don't think that they're going to be able to – if they can win the conference tournament, obviously they're in. But other than that, they don't have a good enough resume where their name is going to be called on, on Selection Sunday. I agree with Memphis. I do not want to see Memphis in this tournament at all. They do not deserve it in the slightest. They, they play in a pretty weak conference, and they've been incredibly inconsistent throughout the entire season. A lot of drama surrounding that team. I don't. I hope Memphis isn't in. I don't expect them to be in, but we'll see. 
And then, well, I just, I just wanted to make one one last point there about Memphis versus Indiana. Memphis, a couple spots ahead in the net. But look at Indiana; they don't have any quote unquote bad losses. Memphis has two of them, losing to Georgia, yeah, which was awful. The worst, the worst team in Power five. five, and East Carolina on the road. So I'm I'm an Indiana over Memphis guy. We'll see if it comes down to that. I think the bid Steelers are going to be out, and this conversation may may be a little outdated in a couple yeah, weeks. But, but but for now, it's 100. percent It will be, but we love the bubble now. Of course, so we'll of course, talk, of course. So we'll talk some bubble stuff. There will be a ton of bid Steelers, but also, and I think Indiana could be. You know, there's a few bid Steelers out there. Indiana could be one of those teams that kind of doesn't make it. But I think a lot of what happens with Indiana depends on their conference tournament success. They finished the season um, with Rutgers. It's a home game for Indiana, so that's a pretty important game. And then they'll play Purdue. If they can somehow upset Purdue in the last game of the season, I think they'll firmly be in. But they, when they lost five straight to start the month of February, I mean that was really like it was really embarrassing. And they, it was like no question they're going to be in the tournament at that point before yeah. that streak. Obviously, there's a ton of drama, some off the court things going on where Mike Woodson suspended a bunch of players. But I don't know if if Indiana has a good enough resume right now. I'm going to pick them out of these four teams to be in. But I don't know if they have a good enough resume right now. They're going to need at least to win one of these last two games and then have maybe a win or two in the conference tournament to be to at least be confident on selection Sunday and not be worried the whole time. All right. This next four of this next pool of four teams, pick two teams to be in the tournament. This should be much easier. We're going to go Michigan, Rutgers, Dayton, Oregon. Yeah, this is this is I honestly think this might be a little tougher for me because I think some of these teams are closer to the outside than than the group from earlier. But um I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Michigan just because their their analytics, their net, are in a much better spot than, than some of these other teams. They're 32 in the net right now. Um, they do have only one quad three loss uh, to Minnesota at home, but that was that was a long time ago. Um, so I'm gonna go with Michigan, and I don't think they're in right now, but I think they will end up making it. Rockers. Rockers. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, think. I think the the moments they put together in February. Are meaningful in itself. Obviously, you can't get rid of the losses to UMass, to Lafayette, to Maryland. But I think this is a team that, you know, is playing their best basketball. Have a chance at Indiana. That game is going to be really interesting. Uh, the one you just mentioned. But I think this is a team that probably wins one or two games in the Big Ten tournament and makes it. Uh, Dayton's probably right there for me, and I think Oregon's going to end up being on the outside and may have to win the Pac-12 tournament uh, entering that one. Yeah, I'm favoring the Big Ten teams too here. I don't really think Oregon has a shot other than if, unless they win the Pac-12 tournament, I think they're too far off the bubble. Dayton, I also think there's only going to be one team from the A-10 at this point. You know, they've really, like, it looked like at one point there could be three or four teams to make the tournament. I don't think anyone's going to get an at-large bid. It's whoever wins that yep. conference tournament, and I expect that to be Davidson. But if it is, obviously Dayton easily could win that conference tournament. That's the only way they're getting in. I don't see them on the right side of the bubble at, for an at-large bid. Well, well, one point just about Dayton. Last night, I don't know if you saw the, the alley-oop at, on the inbounds playing for the basket to win uh, – a guy caught it with with one hand. I don't know why I'm, why I'm blanking on his name, but caught it with one hand, slammed it down. They they escaped that Richmond, which, which was a big win. They're oh, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. they're twenty one and nine now, but they they like they had the win over Kansas, VCU they've beaten, but you know they've they have three quad four losses. I think that's just not it's not enough to get an at large bid despite mm-hmm. the fifty three net. There's been um, so many upsets from team from the lower teams in the A10 that have really just messed up the resumes of some of those better teams in the A10. Where it's it's going to come down to whoever wins that conference tournament is the only team that's going to get a bid from that conference. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. And just with with the A10, obviously, I mean, St. Bonaventure was ranked preseason. Talk about how disappointing they are. 
it stinks for a team like Dayton who had those opportunities late on conference that made up for those early losses that they just didn't have the opportunities in conference to capitalize on those and kind of extend the resume. So I agree with you that the A-10 is going to be a one-bid league, and I think Dayton and Oregon are, are both going to be out, out of that group. Three out of four might not make it, but I, I think in order I'd probably go Michigan, Rutgers, Dayton, Oregon. I agree. Yeah, I think Michigan is firmly in. You know, a big win last night against Michigan State. I think, not firmly, but unless they somehow lose their next two, they'll play Iowa, they'll have Ohio State, so they'll have good opportunities. Maybe they can make a run in the Big Ten tournament. I do think maybe Phil Martelli should have been coaching the entire year. <laughs> but I think Michigan's going to be on the right side of the bubble um, come March Madness. And like like I said about Oregon, they don't have a shot. Dayton, if they win the conference tournament, they'll be in. Otherwise, I don't see it. Rutgers is really going to be an interesting team. I think they're going to be as close to the bubble as you're going to get on Selection Sunday. Their home, their record at home is so terrific, but that doesn't that like how far can that carry you? Like I think it matters to a degree, but how far can that carry you? They're another team where it's kind of depend going to depend if they can win a game in the Big Ten tournament. But they're really, I really think they're gonna they're gonna be worried on Selection Sunday, and Rutgers fans are su- certainly gonna be worried because they're gonna be as close to the bubble as you can get. Yeah, and I think Rutgers is one of those teams where like if they, excuse me, if they didn't have that loss to Lafayette or maybe UMass. It's a different picture. Maybe at least Absolutely. one of those. They losses. have a couple bad losses. I, I, I'd, I'd love to see the, the the net impact on that. Hypothetically, if they didn't have those losses, I'm obviously not not a math guy. I don't know enough about what goes into the net. Uh, formula. No, no one does. It's formula to confusing do that. As you but I, I I would really be interested to, to see a look there if Rutgers didn't have you know that Lafayette loss. Yep. What do they look like right now? So now we're gonna get into our favorite segment. Fraud or for real, we're going to talk about three teams real quickly and, and break down if we think they're a fraud, they're going to be an early exit in the tournament, or they're for real and have the potential to make a deep run. Um, our first team is Iowa, 21-8. and eight. They, str- they they were really slipping in the Big Ten standings at one point, but they've turned it on. They're obviously an electric offense, a ton of experience on that team. Is Iowa fraud or for real? I think, like, like this question is so subjective. I say it every week. Like, I don't think it's not a Final Four team. Could it be a Sweet 16 team? I think absolutely. When you have a guy like Keegan Murray, who's you know, it's going to be his last year there, he's going to be a lottery pick. You got senior guards, which we love to talk about. Uh, Jordan Bohannon uh, can only imagine the tournament he's going to have. I think Iowa's for real in the sense that they could easily be a second weekend team playing their best ball of the season. They're only one in five in quad one, the one win at Ohio State. But I think going through the full length of the Big Ten and kind of getting that Big Ten tournament, one which they could win, by the way. Uh, we'll be really interested to see the bracket there. I think this is a team that can absolutely make the Sweet 16 with the ball they've been playing lately and having a guy like Keegan Murray. I think kind of like Greg Gard, uh, Fran McCaffrey's done a, a really good job with this roster this year, projected to finish ninth, I think, in the Big Ten, uh, or maybe 11th, not not exactly sure there. But I think Iowa's for real in the sense that they can make the Sweet 16 and be a second weekend team. I agree, and I, I'm going to take it one step further. I actually think Iowa has the potential to make a deep run, and I'm not saying they are. I'm certainly not going to pick them in my bracket, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if they do just because that, like you talked about, experienced guard play, star power, things you look for, and then just explosive offense. I mean, this team can go off at, at any game for 90, 100 points even. They're so phenomenal offensively, and I think that can carry them for at least for a few games where I think this team potentially could be for real. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm really interested to see what they do in the Big Ten tournament because they could make a little run to the final. Um, I don't know their exact standing in the Big Ten right now, but it's I think they're a top-five team in the Big Ten. They could make a little run to the final, maybe upset some teams, and I think it's just going to be a great— Yeah, no, actually, they're, four, they're fourth in the Big Ten right now. It's Wisconsin, Illinois. Got to get that double bye. That would be big. Yeah, that would be huge for them. I think this team can easily make the 
Big Ten Tournament Final. I'm excited to see what they do in March. So I'm going to say for real for now. Next team is Tennessee. is 22-7, 7 7-7 in quad one. <clears throat> no losses outside of quad one. And number nine overall in the, re- in the net. The net has favored them all year. They're a highly regarded team. Um, I'm a little, I don't, I'm a little skeptical of Tennessee. What do you think? So am I, I, I don't want to say frauds because, I mean, they don't, they don't have a single loss outside, outside of quad one. They've really taken care of opponents and they've gone 500 against mm-hmm. the opponents who are considered, you know, that, that top tier in the country, whether it be, you know, top 75 on the road, top 50 neutral, top 30 at home. I'm not going to say fraud. I'm not going to say for real. I think I'm going to pick a middle ground depending on the matchup. I think Tennessee is a team that absolutely wins wins the first round game of the tournament. Um, but they do, they have freshman guards like Kennedy Chandler, like Sakai Ziegler. It's not, they have John Fulkerson inside who's been there I think for six years now. But I don't think, and Rick Barnes obviously a great coach, I don't think it's a team that, you know, necessarily has what it takes to take off, to get in the final four, um, especially looking at some of the other teams in the SEC like Kentucky, who maybe have a bit, a bit of a better shot, even teams like Arkansas or Alabama. I think I'm going to go Tennessee round a 32 exit. I completely agree. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's crazy. But but this is a team that wins a game in the tournament. I, I think so. Like they should. Um, they'll probably be around a three or four seed. Um, they should win a game in the tournament. But I just I think this Tennessee team is super overrated. I don't know why the net, the AP poll, everyone has overrated this team all year. Obviously, they play a tough conference. They have. They've taken care of business against lower-level opponents, like you said. But I just think this Tennessee team is overrated, and I could easily see an early exit for them. And that's that's what I would predict right now. It just it just doesn't have the same feel to those Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield no, teams. Not at all. That, you know. Admiral Schofield, he was, a, he was a beast. Yep. Um. All right, the last team, Arkansas, that we're going to talk about. They're 23-6. and six. They've really played phenomenal basketball late. Obviously, a big upset win over Kentucky at home this past Saturday, um, which was the potential for a court storming. Kentucky, John Calabria, his players leave the bench oh. before the game was even over with like 10 seconds left. But Kentucky obviously loses the game. There was ended up being no court storm. Kentucky makes a late three. That does means absolutely nothing for anyone except if you had the minus two. It was a push. Arkansas wins by two. A lot of people did. Some people didn't. You know, we don't have to talk about that. But Arkansas, would you think Arkansas is for real or are they fraud? They've gotten really hot. Uh, J.D. Note is a really good basketball player. Probably sh- he should be unanimous first team SEC in my opinion. But I, I think this is a team that right now is for real. But I think when you talk about peaking too early, if Arkansas wins tonight, it's 14 out of 15. I think this is something that we could see. I think this is a team that is susceptible to losing early in the tournament. In the SEC tournament and the and the NCAA tournament, excuse me, they lost to did they lose uh, did they lose to Hofstra at home or they got taken to I think they did lose to Hofstra at yeah, home. Yeah, they did. They did. And they had just big wins. Or they yeah, just, I, I just I'm not. It's not that I'm not a believer in Arkansas. I think it's a good ball club. I think Eric Musselman's, Musselman's a really good coach. Uh, obviously, um, took him to the Elite Eight last season. However, I do think this is a team that, like I said, peaking too early. A team like Tennessee that I think wins a game in the tournament, but but will lose in the round of 32 to someone who's you know hotter at that time. Yeah, I'm really torn on this team. Because really torn. It, that that, that like, that's a tough one. Right and there. that Kentucky win, it's not like Arkansas was favored by two, so it's not like Kentucky was really expected to win. It was a good spot for Arkansas at home, so that's not that doesn't really sway me that much. But they've just been playing really great basketball, and maybe it's the prison of the moment thing for me. Maybe you're right that they're peaking too early. But I think this Arkansas team, I'm not saying they're going to go as far as the Elite Eight like they did last year, but I think this is a really good Arkansas team that, again, is gonna, probably going to be on that 3-4 seed line, and this team could make a deep run. 
Yeah, that, I mean, this is the thing for me. I, I, I honestly, I love it, but I hate predicting how far a team's going to go before yeah. looking at well, the actual bracket like, because you never know, like the bra- you never know yes. the matchups. But the matchups it, matter, and also it's March. Like it's, it, chaos. It, it is a useful conversation, though. Yeah, right? ca- like we're gonna the chaos will ensue, and whatever we think is gonna happen isn't gonna happen. But it's still fun to talk about. <laughs> of course, and we're still gonna course, and we're still gonna talk about it, even though, like, yeah, you're right. It's, it's meaningful, and perception is meaningful nationally because that's how you get seated. It's it's absolutely, and that's how coaches get hired or fired. Of course, or, of course. it's everything. Um, all right, so now we're gonna quickly go over a few games from tonight's slate, Wednesday's slate. We alluded to this earlier. Number eighteen, UConn is at Creighton. It's a huge game for Creighton. UConn's favored by minus four according to DraftKings, but. Creighton really needs this win. To I think they're on the right side of the bubble as is, but if they win this game, I think there's no question they're in the tournament. Absolutely. Who do you think is going to win this game? I like Creighton at home outright. I just think it's going to be an electric environment in Omaha. Creighton did beat them the first time, 59-55, February 1st, in UConn. I think, honestly, to me, like the rematch is honestly a little bit con- uh, confusing because... It's like UConn should learn from that, and it's I the away, like Creighton winning down the road, and now UConn going on the road. I don't know if that necessarily serves as an advantage for Creighton tonight, regardless, because it is the rematch, and they did win on the road in the first time. Um, UConn's looking for a sixth straight win. I think Creighton, if you want to be safe and stay away from the bubble, you win this game and you're in. I think after that, if you lose this game, it could get a little bit difficult. You lost to Providence. Your star freshman guard, Ryan Demhard, uh, hurt his wrist, averaged 11 points per game. He's out for the season. So it's kind of like, where do you go from there with him? without him? If you win that game, you got some more time to figure that out because you're probably going to be safely in the tournament. Mm-hmm. But I, I like Creighton at home, playing with desperation in front of what should be an electric uh, electric environment, Compl- uh, Creighton over UConn. Completely agree. And when you look at these last few regular season games of the year, I think a lot of it matters is who has more to play for when you're looking at who's going to win these matchups, who's playing harder. That just matters. Like, who has more to play for in these when the regular season's coming to a close and everyone's looking towards the postseason? Like we said, Creighton is at home, and they have a ton to play for for their postseason lives. Every game is, really, so they can secure a bit of... They don't have to worry come Selection Sunday about securing a bid for March Madness. So I just look at this Creighton team way more desperate they're at home. It's going to be a good environment. I think Creighton certainly covers the four. I expect it to be a good back-and-forth game, but I, I think you're right that Creighton wins outright as well. All right, so there's a few more games. Just real quick, number five, Auburn is favored by minus three and a half against at Mississippi State. Um, LSU is at number 14, Arkansas. We talked about Arkansas a minute ago. And then Wyoming is at UNLV. From looking at all these matchups, what do you think? Like, is there a game that stands out to you that you're really looking forward to? Is there a line that you're really looking at? What, what are you looking for? Oh, uh, yeah. For me, I think the last game you mentioned, uh, Wyoming at UNLV. Wyoming's a team that's 23 and 6, probably going to be safely in uh, nine seed at Bracket Matrix. Matt Bracket Matrix, excuse me, today, the, uh, the site that kind of compiles all the bracketologies mm-hmm. for an average there. But UNLV is a dangerous team. When you talk about bid stealers, they're one that I've really kept my eye on the last few months that I think I think they're the number one bid stealer in the country, to be honest with you. They swept Colorado State, which is no yeah. joke because they're, they're a really good team in their self. I think if you're Wyoming, obviously you're an underdog in this game. Would it be a terrible loss on the road at UNLV? But you don't want to mess around and move closer to the bubble with losses like this. You're probably in, but if, if you keep stumbling, you, you really don't know. So this this is a game late night that, that is really intriguing to me from that sense. It's like how safe is Wyoming really if they do lose this game? Yeah, and that conference tournament's going to be electric next week as well. 
Um, I'm, I'm, the game I'm looking at real quick is just LSU at Arkansas. I think that's going to be a game where I actually think LSU upsets Arkansas. We've been talking about how hot Arkansas has been. Obviously, it would be their, their fifth straight win, but I think Arkansas is upset here. They're favored by five and a half, but I think LSU, I think it's a close game, but I think LSU can, can win outright and maybe gain some momentum. Maybe, maybe LSU is a team that can go on a little run, gain some, gain some momentum as they head into the conference tournament. Yeah, they've. I mean, they're they're safely in just because of their start, six seed in bracket matrix. But again, like Wyoming, you don't want to go into the tournament kind of stumbling and not playing your best yeah. basketball because that's what we could see with LSU. Um, I like Arkansas this one at home. Um, I just think Arkansas they've been so great. I think they're due for they a are due. Spot. They are and due. You don't I, want it to happen in the tournament, like or, in the or conference tournament or, or the, the SEC yeah. tournament. But but I will say this Saturday they do play at Tennessee. Does that change your prediction? No. I, th- I, I, I think I think I think they win tonight and lose that game. I'll, I'll say I, that. I'm actually gonna flip it. I think they LSU wins tonight. I think they actually beat Tennessee. I think Tennessee. Maybe people were like it's last regular season game, so maybe it doesn't have too much importance. But I think people will start to see as we get closer to the postseason, people will start to see that Tennessee is a little fraudulent. I think Arkansas can win that game. Interesting. Uh, we want to do one one pick on on the first game before we head out here. For the Auburn Auburn Mississippi State. Uh, Pick. I think all. I think Auburn wins. The line should be way more. Yeah, the, um, the, that's what I was gonna say. The line's a little confusing because Mississippi State, seventeen twelve, respectable, mm-hmm. but they're eight and eight in the SEC. They're not on the tournament radar by any means, and Auburn's kind of stumbling two out of their last three. It's this is more of an interesting game than I think we gave it credit for, just because I think the line tells you that, yeah. and just the 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 recent performance of Auburn tells you that. Yeah, Auburn hasn't been great. I mean, I, I we'll see how they turn around in the conference tournament because this is really a team that I thought could win the national title, um, and they've been struggling a little bit. And Vegas's lines have been really spot on for Auburn all year, so I think Auburn's going to win the game for sure. I do think it's going to be a closer game than people realize just based on this line. And, and Mississippi State's a good team. Yep, I got I got Auburn by five. I just, I just want, did want to touch on that one real quick because I think I think the the line and and the records and the game being in Mississippi State makes it definitely a little bit more interesting than had the game been in Auburn. Auburn's probably favored by what ten points. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's a great great crowd there. All right, that's our show today, everyone. Thank you for listening. It was a long show because there's a lot to get to next week. We will be breaking down the entire all the conference tournaments, all the major tournaments, all all the mid-major tournaments we're going to be getting to all the conference tournaments next week's show and then the week after that selection sunday will can't be wait here. we're a week and a half from selection sunday don't rush it by though don't rush it by no i'm trying not to um thank you everyone for listening to collegiate chaos on the studio times podcast network this has been sam austrian ben dixon thanks for listening and we'll see you next week in the midst of conference tournaments